This is Rating Descending. Where we watch IMDb's Worst 250 so you don't have to. My name is Abigail Ward. And my name's Michelle St. Clair. And tonight we watched Fifty Shades of Grey. Literature student Anastasia Steele's life changes forever when she meets handsome yet tormented billionaire Christian Grey. Let's watch! Michelle, do I have ADHD? <laughs> yes. It's an easy yes. Is That's your opening? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is so easy. I've been telling you this. <laughs> I came over today and before we were recording, I was describing to Michelle certain concentration issues I have. And Michelle has poked and prodded at me for years yeah. to think about if I have ADHD, but I have never wanted to think about it. Yeah. I just feel like it's diagnosed so often. I'm like, everyone has concentration issues. Everyone. No. Yes. No. Yes. Not everyone has concentration issues and certainly not to the severity that you do. But also not even just concentration issues. You have a long track record with things like lateness um, and losing track of time and getting very distracted. I remember in the early days of recording, I would like, I I would tell you, but also friends of how I would sometimes have to like fight to keep you (laughs) to stop. Like you would just interact with everything around you. Yeah. (laughs) So idly. Yeah, true, true. Which also happens like when we're writing and when we're doing stuff in general. Yeah. I think that's why your favorite bit is yes, but is you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, my brain's thinking of this thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, I think pe- everyone does have concentration issues, but maybe it's just that some people get them occasionally, whereas I seem to get them all the time, like all the time. Look, I do want to say like, obviously when there's, when there's talk of like overdiagnosis, there's both the that is potentially an issue we're also not yet sure if it is a a, an issue genuinely like if it is statistically an actual problem as opposed to also just like more people being aware of it yeah um especially because like there was an older issue of overdiagnosis in particular just because it was young boys and that was in the era where it was seen as only boys have ADHD. I literally saw a comment from someone on Twitter who insisted that she couldn't have ADHD because that's just a boy's thing. Yeah. Uh, But also like during the pandemic, uh, there's a lot of things where like symptoms get exacerbated because you're just inside a lot. And so that is part of uh, why there's been like a a larger raft of more recent diagnoses of Mm. ADHD and autism. And even people realizing that the trance you're spending a lot of time inside and not having to do those systems and management things. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot to consider when I was a kid, the definition of like, there was, there was like two or three kids at school or at primary school that had ADHD and it was something their parents would talk about and talk to the teachers about and they would have very specific like plans around it. And I remember one girl that I went to primary school with, Beth, she had ADHD. Mm. And like it was so, you could just tell she was really just kind of, she was all over the place. She was like incredibly excitable, incredibly loud, kind of a difficult kid. And, you know, it was something her mom always talked about of, oh, Beth's got ADHD. So that was my only understanding of it was just. Yeah. It was for those excitable kids that you went to primary school with. And that's the thing that became the cultural perception of the like person who's really over energetic. Oh my God, look, a squirrel. Which is not really the reality for a lot, for a lot of people, Mm. you know, it's a way broader thing than just someone who is generally up and excited. I think once the novelty of something wears off, I have trouble concentrating on it. Yeah. No, I have, I've, I've seen it, I've seen it. <laughs> for sure. There's been a lot of times where you're talking about something and then I'll give you a look and you know that I'm going like, this is an ADHD thing. And you go, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm, I've been in denial. It's something I should talk to someone about. Yeah. So yes. I can get drugs. Yeah. So that you can and get fucked You can up. get medicine. <laughs> and get fucked up. So you can get medicine. You need help. All right. There's nothing no, wrong I with don't. you. You just need help. <laughs> I don't know. It is something to consider. It is. Because I was saying to you, out of five days, I spend one day maybe feeling productive and focused, and then the other four days, I'm all over the place. It doesn't have to be this way. I love the struggle. That's... What can I say? Hashtag addicted to the struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Loving the grind. (laughs) Loving the grind. Sometimes I feel like I don't have any control over 
whether or not I can get something done because um, cause I, I can't sit down and force myself to do it sometimes. You know what I should have done before we started this episode is that I should have opened up like an ADHD diagnosis thing and just start filling it out while you start talking. Oh my God. <laughs> gonna issue me a prescription at the end of this episode <laughs> get help yeah like obviously i'm unlicensed but that's okay baby that's all right <laughs> that's all right my doctor michelle st Clair. yeah is she legal oh no 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 no, no. registered no way but the doctor is in <laughs> no you've given me some some uh so something to ruminate on mm, some food not for that thought. you haven't Brought it up multiple times before. Yeah. There's just something about today that really <laughs> made me reconsider. But as I keep saying, like the reason I feel like it's overdiagnosed is that like all of our friends have it. But as we know, people tend to gravitate to people that are like them. Because that, that's the thing though, is that yes, a large amount of our friends do have it. However, then we as a group go and talk to other people and none of them do. Yeah. And, yeah. and that doesn't mean that you don't. Yeah, the percentage of an alpha group is very high, but the percentage with most people is still very low. Yeah, like in our friend group, a lot of us are gay. That doesn't mean that it's like, oh, well, according to this, only one out of 20 people is straight. Holy shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's a bad sample. That's true. Yeah, it is yes. true, isn't it? It yes. is true, though, isn't it? When yes. you think about it. Actually, yes. <laughs> yes. It's actually quite a good point, don't you think? <laughs> Look, being self-aware has not always been my my strong suit, you know? I can't believe we're both people who struggle with, like, concentration and we make ourselves watch these, like, the most intolerable, boring fucking movies every I week. I mean, Thugs of Hindustan had me wrapped oh, sorry, that's for three true. hours. That's true. I couldn't take my eyes away from the car crash of Food Fight. Yeah. A movie yeah. that was clearly rendered during a literal car crash. But I will say, you know, concentration can be an issue in this podcast. When we watch things like Devil's Jew, I'm like, can I do this? Oh, yeah. Can I? There have been times, especially with the found footage ones. I can't remember which one in particular. There was one that I did have to watch over four different sittings. Yeah, and I, look, I remember that. I've said this to you before. I do sometimes watch these movies more than once, and it's usually because I watch it and then I go, I don't think I... I don't think I really saw that movie. I don't think I know what... I can't talk about it for an hour. I've definitely, like, watched films in the past and then I've had to stop and think, I haven't paid attention for the last 20 minutes and I have to go back to the last time that I can remember paying attention. Yeah. With Devil's Joy, I just had to sit there with my eyes pried open with matchsticks. I'm always convinced I can do something at the same time and I can't. No. no. Yeah, you can't multitask with can't. these things. You want to and looks. You need with, to spiritually. <laughs> with, with Devil's Joy, I was able to multitask because there was just a long long periods of time where nothing was actually happening yeah oh yeah it was just people chatting and getting together and having a good time having a barbecue but yeah guys i think something's wrong with my head i need help hey no <laughs> nothing's wrong with you you just need medicine <laughs> ah! you just need some of them legal f- amphetamines yeah. baby Ooh. they taste extra good when they're legal oh you're having trouble concentrating how about you microdose speed yeah <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> mm, nummy, nummy. Ooh, speedy, speedy, speedy. Nummy, nummies. Uh, speaking of nummy, nummies on cummy, cummies. Oh, what? Um, this week. What? <laughs> we watched what? Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Shut the fuck up, Michelle. That's got to be one of our most abstract <laughs> <laughs> pivots. Abstract Abigail. That's what they call me. Is it? it okay. They could. Anyway, I'd let's like go on it. like three tangents. <laughs> it's me channeling Abby energy. Uh, this week we watched Fifty Shades of Grey. We did it. Finally, We've, we're closing out the trip. We It ends as it begins. Oh my goodness. We are finishing the trilogy with its first entry. Were all of them on the list? Yeah, we watched Darker and Free. Okay, Both of them were in we the did. first 50. Yeah, yeah. They were a while it's ago. It's a huge gap between yeah. Fifty Shades Freed and this. It was good to go back to the OG. There is no way that this movie is worse, especially not this much worse than either Darker or Freed. It was better than both of them easily 100 percent. it's not good but like it's nowhere near as bad as either of those and the director sam taylor johnson she's not bad yeah. she gets she's done so, i liked nowhere boy yeah i liked nowhere boy yeah even though people fucking despise her because she married aaron johnson and there is a huge age gap but i feel like a lot of the time the female partners of like 
young attractive men get absolutely fucking trashed i think we sometimes conflate things that are that have the potential uh, or are frequently problematic with inherently problematic yes it's not inherently problematic they're being an age gap if they just love each other yeah and look they've stayed together they are raising a family together he seems to love her she loves him seems like a great move on their part if it was a man that was like 42 a director that got together with like his 18 or 19 year old leading woman I'd find that a bit strange. But hey, if they developed a healthy, happy relationship, that sounds great. Fantastic. Yeah. Like it's fine. It's it's just it's just that sometimes it is masking for something else, but that doesn't yeah. mean it necessarily is. We have a weird like youth purity culture that's developed around a lot of things to do with relationships and yeah. sex. Look, a lot of the time these things do come hand in hand with something potentially more sinister or problematic, but then sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's just two people fall in love, and that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, think of the fact that like Olivia Wilde got absolutely trashed because she started dating Harry she, Styles. She got criticized way more no than... No one gave a shit yeah. until she started dating him. And then everyone was like, do you know she's a fucking bitch? People were going in so hot. Like I was into the Don't Worry Darling drama because it's the only time that I get into like drama mm. is when it's that sort of like really heightened, like around the award shows. But people were really digging into Olivia Wilde in wow. a way that is not replicated with a lot of men who do the same thing a hundred percent a hundred percent i think it's like almost a death sentence getting together with harry styles like your reputation will be (laughs) absolutely torn apart yeah yeah Yeah. but hey she they they broke up and she might have made it through probably not she's probably people just hate her forever now maybe what a bitch for dating harry styles how dare she We own him how dare she come into his life he belongs to us he's ours the girlies and the gays back off. I saw him describe described as gay for straights recently and so accurate. It's so true. So accurate. Yeah. It's because he presents a little bit femme sometimes and people are like losing their mind. Yeah. We we see any person that we think is straight uh presenting any man who we think is straight presenting a little femme and then we call them a trailblazer and a hero for doing the most milk toast version of like for one, what gay men have been doing for a very long time but then also like it weirdly feels like it's just reinforcing the patriarchy rather than undermining it because look at them being special for like going outside of the normal box well they're a hero because normally that would make me think that they're fucking queer like yeah it that's it's not anything that's something that i find really annoying and i observe this with with claude and myself because we're a man and a woman and i think that like when we met each other we liked that In some respects, we did non-traditional things that is expected of our gender. That's what attracted us to each other in a way. Like he liked that I could be very forthright and outspoken and very passionate and a bit self-obsessed. I think he liked that because that's what men do. And I liked that he was really like soft and emotionally aware and emotionally available. And and really, I I liked his sensitivity because that's what women do. And I think Mm. that was really nice. But it, it annoyed me that men can get rewarded just for being kind and that's thought as progressive and trailblazing is the idea of like a sensitive emotionally aware man is revolutionary and what a great guy and it's like but that's what women do all the time you just want to reward us for being assholes which again because that's what men are because we go well it would be cool if they're gay we now think it's not still homophobic and patriarchal to go Oh, they're ha- they're a man is in touch with their emotions and has some feminine tendencies. Amazing. They must be gay. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the same shit as when we go. They must be gay. I hate it. Yeah, just because you like it doesn't make it not weird. Still, 100%. it's still a weird thing to assume. Anyway. I feel like somehow women still get the short end of the stick in that scenario of like, oh, if you want to impress people or or, or do something outside of what is expected for your gender, be an asshole. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. yeah, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be an asshole. Yeah. I want to be rewarded for being kind. But if you're a woman and you show sensitivity and emotional availability and awareness, it's still like, oh, so you're just just being a woman. Well, women get the short end of the stick with that as well because, like, androgyny is just masculine. And so it's fashionable for women to dress androgynous, which just means men's clothes. Yeah. Which isn't the same thing. Yeah. The truth is both masculinity and femininity, femininity share good and bad traits, both of them. Like there's good things about being a woman and there's good things about being a man. And like being a woman and having feminine tendencies is not necessarily a negative because you're sensitive and caring. Like I've met people that are like, oh, she's just, what I like about her is that she's so masculine. It's like, do you like femininity? It's it's like, it's not even inherently 
real or anything. It's, yeah. It just is that way because like fucking hundreds of years ago, Christian society decided that was so, and that doesn't like femininity and masculinity don't even have to be tied to manhood and womanhood, yeah, let yeah. alone anything else. It'd be great to be able to separate traits from gender yeah. in particular. Uh, all of this is to say uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, I think, was <laughs> all right. <laughs> Tension number one. <laughs> yeah, it was, look, listen, I think, yeah, we, did we start talking about that because of Sam Taylor Johnson? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was shit, but it was all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I didn't I didn't get horny or anything, but like you know, you didn't want to, you didn't beat your meat. Oh no, I did, like I still jerked off, but you just weren't feeling it. <laughs> it just wasn't. I wasn't really that crying into it. A little bit. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Distracted. I wasn't crying. I was just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just I doing it out of obligation. No, I was just doing it, and I was like looking around me. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need this. This is at for all. you guys. <laughs> This, I'm just doing it because I think it's what I'm supposed to do, but I don't need this at all. <laughs> Performative sexuality. For audience perspective, I'm like shaking my hand as if to masturbate the whole time while saying that. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess I realize now as a visual that doesn't translate. Wasted on them. <laughs> wasted. Wasted on just you. Are you like flicking the bean or are you also like giving me some gnarly rap where you're like throwing your hands back and forth? Definitely flicking the bean. I'm talking about <laughs> masturbating. Never Why would heard- I be like... I've never had someone say flicking the bean so indignantly before. <laughs> talking Excuse about me. flicking my I'm bean. I'm definitely talking about masturbation, you fuck. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I was I was rubbing my clit, you, you fucking, fucking freak. Fool. <laughs> you idiot. Should I get into the overview so we yeah. can just get straight into this? I film? think we need something to keep us here. We need something. <laughs> this is the first film of the Fifty Shades of Grey franchise, something we... Uh, um, very familiar with at this point. Yeah, it was based on the books by E.L. E. L. James, and as mm-hmm. we know, E.L. James started writing these books as a Twilight fan fiction. She later changed the names and developed the storyline to make it Fifty Shades of Grey. We've now covered, apart from the original Twilight, all the Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, movies. yeah, we're really up to date with these two. Yeah. I read that Stephanie Meyer when they asked for, for her comment on like how what she thought of 50 shades of gray she was like yeah not really my thing like really not into it like really not my thing but i'm glad she's doing well happy for her <laughs> and i was like she seems uncomfortable by the uh the correlation yeah that she's got with this franchise because she's incredibly christian right uh, yeah i'm pretty sure she's mormon oh, she's mormon that's right isn't she yeah i hope i'm remembering that i right. mean like Twilight is all about them not having sex. Oh, yeah. And well, even when a, they have sex, a, James, Jacob, like Jacob, Edward is like, let's not do it again. I remember reading an episode where, like, Edward basically nuts over um, her Bella's, like, beige, beige skirt. Like, floor-length beige yeah. skirt. Yeah. And then when they do have sex in the final film, he's like, that was so dangerous. Let's not do it again. I can't believe I've made you pregnant. It, I'm a monster. It's somehow even more milk toast than this. Yeah. So I can imagine <laughs> Stephanie Meyer is like, oh, my God, this franchise that is all about, quote unquote, kinky sex. It was directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, as we know. Mm-hmm. It was written by Kelly Marcel. She did the screenplay and E.L. James did the novel and she had a huge say in the script yeah, which is something it, i will get into okay. in the trivia because I, I i have vague memory of someone telling me that like she was very into having creative control over the script of this she didn't want them to deviate like whatsoever uh. which meant that like fans of the book could watch this film and know exactly what line was coming because they just it was a copy of the book it's definitely its weakest element. Yep, and we will hear from kelly marcel later on that okay. eel james when i looked her up just like, she even said, she was like, I can't believe Fifty Shades of Grey became so famous. It's literally just my fantasies. Imagine being, your, like, her husband and being like, what? <laughs> That's your fantasy? Is a 27-year-old billionaire? I'm sorry. I'm not some big hunk oh my billionaire, my guy. Fuck. No, I think she's allowed to have fantasies outside yeah. of her marriage. Yeah. You know? Hey, as long as he's fine with it, you know? Yeah. They could even role play. Do you think she role plays with him as Christian? Probably. And her as Dakota Johnson. Not as the, not as Anastasia Steele as Dakota Johnson. <laughs> Here's the overview. Anastasia Steele interviews Christian Grey, a billionaire entrepreneur, for her college newspaper. Christian takes an interest in her and invites Anna for coffee, but leaves abruptly after she confesses to, be, to being a romantic. He says he is not the man for her. After drinking too much one night, Anna spontaneously calls and berates Christian. He picks her up and the next morning she wakes up in his hotel room relieved that they were not intimate. 
Christian insists that she sign a non-disclosure agreement if they are to have sex. He shows her his playroom and they have conventional sex whereupon she loses her virginity. <laughs> what? I, for- I just, I forgot until I watched the movie and only just remembered now that she was a virgin. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's fine if you, listener, are a virgin, but for this movie, that's a really funny choice. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Christian bestows a series of gifts and and she's meant to be 21 by the way like it's yeah 21 which is which is old for a modern day American woman to be a virgin and again still fine or whatever but but very funny and is just because she's about to fuck a 27 year old billionaire contractually it's it suggests she's never had a boyfriend in this yeah. day and age, if you have a boyfriend, she doesn't seem like she comes from a particularly religious household. But I think it's that like hangover from Bella of like yeah. written by religious author. Thing. And again, it's more tantalizing for Christian to get to deflower a virgin. Right? I don't think she'd be a virgin if an Australian wrote this. Mm. We just don't have that kind of culture. Christian bestows a series of gifts and favors upon Anna, including a new car and a laptop. Anna visits her mother in Georgia and is shocked when Christian shows up and essentially hijacks her holiday. Yeah. Anna experiments with BDSM with Christian, but his emotional distance bothers her. After she asks Christian to spank her, Anna leaves him, sure that he is now the wrong man for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it just ends. Yeah. It just ends. They do the whole, like, Anna, Christian, as the elevator shuts. Which I know it's, like, meant to be, like, a cliffhanger and enticing me for the next one and they already wanted to But, like, what an unsatisfying way to end a movie. I mean, they clearly did know. They were like, okay, well... We, we these are a, a series of books this is how the first book ended el james will not let us deviate yeah we've but, got to end it this way but like fellowship of the ring still ends it's the yeah, first it of still three has movies that were made a satisfying of, ending but it's a whole movie yeah you can have movies that like will continue and cliffhanger yeah. but like it feels complete empire strikes back is kind of a cliffhanger but it's a whole movie whereas this is like it's just a cliffhanger at the end, being like, what will they do next? How will he win her back? It kind of felt like they replaced the 30 minutes of the third act with, in- with another 30 minutes of... <laughs> the cycle of this movie is just... Uh, they, they, f- they go travel on a mode of transport, they fuck, and then they fight. He takes a... Yeah, it's always a mode of transport. It's either a yacht or it's a helicopter <laughs> or they go hang gliding or yeah. they go bungee jumping. Yeah. And then sh- they're like... Ah! Often then, there's the air or sea involved. And then they have a very quiet discussion about his traumatized childhood and her trying to get through to him emotionally. And then he fucks her. And then they fight. And then they fight. And the she'll next leave. Morning. And then he'll show up and they'll travel somewhere again. Yep. And he'll take her on another helicopter ride. <laughs> I fucking love, was it Fifty Shades Freed? When I think Darker was the one that had Darker, what we the helicopter. described helicopter accident oh, the accident yeah where, like, that was in darker he just like appears and he's like yeah. i'm fine and they're Zero like oh tension. my god i thought you were talking about the nespresso ad <laughs> <laughs> what about the ralph lauren ad on the oh yacht? that's true i think that was the beginning of freed <laughs> I, I think i don't know i mean man. all it of the scenes in this one. felt the same thing as well it felt like a tourism ad for like the northern territory especially yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially the helicopter bit it'd be oh. like Whoa, whoa and then yeah. it would like come up with like it'd crossfade to a white screen that just says like king's canyon or I something can't they literally rode in a helicopter accident for christian and then he just appears like an hour later and he's like i'm fine not an hour later <laughs> they're looking at the news of it That's it's like right. two minutes later <laughs> as soon as anna's like oh my god is he alive he just walks through the door and he's like yep <laughs> I-, I will say the two minutes of tension is more tension than this movie has. Yeah, this the, has got nothing. The dramatic tension in this movie is between me, the audience, and Anastasia Steele's clearly bad decision to in, indulge this man. So I, what I find interesting about this film that I noticed from a lot of reviews is that a lot of critics have labeled this their sexual experiences together as like abusive which it is not because it is always consenting like there's no there's no rape in this film Mm. and yet some people try and classify some of the stuff that they do as rape which is not the case the the bothersome thing is more the um, emotional manipulation yeah the power he tries to exert over her life the fact that he hijacks that trip away when she's meant to see her mom really bothers me the fact that he just shows up and then he takes her away on his trip i'm like she went there to see her mom yeah like I i don't know if i would classify it the same way as some of those critics but but he is emotionally 
abusive yeah, and he manipulative. Is. He like, is. He, he gets really angry and, at her. And financially, like, I feel and, like he gets her gifts expecting something back. I, I, yeah. Like, like, I'll fix your car and I'll get your laptop. Look how, look, look how much money I have. He's, like, you have to fully dominating her life. Yeah, and yeah. Before she even signs the, the contract. The sex is not the issue. The like, sex is fine. She has to ask for her car back. Yeah. And then he says, I sold it. He just sells it. And then but, she's like, great, I'll give me the money for it. That's then. a fucked up thing to do. Yeah, why would you sell someone's car it's, without telling them? And also, like, he is a billionaire who is a bit older, who is instantly like, you have to sign this contract so we can fuck and then we're going to fuck and then I'm going to hit you. Yeah. Which, like, it can be kinky, whatever. But, like, I understand why some people are like, this is not okay. Well, the stuff in the bedroom or the playroom, as he calls it, which, by the way, just makes my fucking vagina shrivel <laughs> up into itself. There's so many things that Christian says that makes my vagina shrivel and I have them listed down. But the fact, like, it's fine if it happens in the playroom, if you want to, like, role play in that submissive, dominant, whatever the fuck, that's fine. But it's more like every time he does anything dominant outside of the playroom or the bedroom, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. The way he's trying to tell her what she can do, where she can go, how she can when, dress, when who she can talk to. she's drunk at the party, yeah, she's not, like... like- messy drunk she's not like in danger drunk she's just regular drunk and he gets angry he's at like her. you're being irresponsible he doesn't know her yeah he's, he's met, met her two twice. times yeah and he gets angry at he's her like what you did was really reckless and dangerous and she goes i know she's a grown woman yeah she's she's living her own life yeah it and is- when he's like if you were mine i wouldn't you wouldn't be able to walk for a week afterwards and she was like what <laughs> like <laughs> comparatively the way this movie instead like treats the sex things as the like when they get go into the playroom and she's like, oh my God, there's literally a show on Netflix called How to Build a Sex Room, which isn't even like a raunchy show. Yeah. It's just a regular, if anything, almost wholesome, regular reality show. It's so weird how like Anastasia is 21, a virgin, probably hasn't watched porn. Like she seems, she's so strangely innocent. It's creepy the way it was written yeah. like i've never el james creeps me the fuck out like she, her fantasy about this in, incredibly naive and innocent young woman because the anastasia yeah. in the movies from what i've read is far more assertive than the anastasia in the books and that's insane because in the movie she this is she her being more assertive yeah oh because every she, time she is i'm like thank god she said it yeah in the books apparently she's a lot more submissive just as a person oh my god it's bizarre. So, so for weird. me, I'm like the sex. There's no. There's no question that there's. There's no rape in this. But, but and- I will say, I think that works as fan fiction, where it is your own fantasy, because because yeah. you know that you're in for that journey and the- that you're consenting to, to be that. fair i feel like this was el james saying like i just wrote what i wanted to write and then a bunch of people really liked it yeah <laughs> like, it's it's like in sex i might want to do that yeah. as like a role play thing but then like when it's a full story you're presenting like this woman's character trait is that she's submissive and being taught the world by this weirdly domineering aggressive billionaire yeah and god christian is just so cringy so can i read you some of the yes <laughs> the things that i had noted down These were just some of my favorite Christian Grey quotes. I'd like to fuck you into the middle of next week. I don't make love. I fuck hard. (laughs) That's right. Because I'm fifty. Because I'm fifty shades of fucked up. Anastasia. No, that was funny. (laughs) They had to know that's funny. That's a that's a bit right. Because that means SNL can't do it. (laughs) And then also, what I loved is when they were trying to exhibit the fact that he was a billionaire very business like very busy clearly not busy enough because he had a lot of time to spare yeah. tracking down anastasia he's not really that busy he hasn't got a lot on um when he's on the phone getting called back to seattle and he's like that's not gonna work what well then tell them they don't have 24 hours this is unacceptable i need to know just keep me informed <laughs> like <laughs> i love el james thinking this is what businessmen talk about can i can i i had a similar one actually just yeah. i mean you can keep oh, no you go I, I had a similar one which was when he shows up unexpectedly at the holiday and then he like turns around to the waiter to order a drink and he's like i'll have a gin and tonic hendrix if you have it otherwise bombay sapphire i'm like this guy's a fucking like hendrix is not bad gin or anything but the guy's a billionaire yeah why would you get his taste is hendrix or bombay sapphire hendrix is my taste and i have like two thousand dollars in the bank account yeah that's like if i was like oh yes i'm gonna be fancy right this person who loves vodka i'll have a gray goose smirnoff yeah. instead and i'm like what? <laughs> what what are you talking about oh my god no that's such a good point also i took down some quotes i looked up some quotes from the book as well 
And I've got some link to some trivia later, but I did want to share three different quotes from the book just so you get an idea of the way that this was written because mm-hmm. all of these quotes are directly from the book the whole i'm like i'd like to fuck you into the middle of next week and i don't make love i fuck hard mm. these are all direct quotes from the book so i was like what else was in the book um and i found some great excerpts and this is a lot of this is um anastasia's inner dialogue where she describes as they're having sex desire pools dark and deadly in my groin i'll repeat mm-hmm. that for you Desire pools, dark and deadly in my groin. Pool? P- like pools. P-O-O-L-S? Desire, Desire pools, pools, dark and deadly in my groin. Why is it deadly? Why is it pooling? I, I, no, I kind of get that in like... It pools, it pools in my pools. groin? Like it's, it's it like, doesn't sound hot. It's like it's like filling... I, can't, I don't know. I kind of get that part of it. I just wouldn't describe my desire as deadly. It's almost like saying like desire puddles dark and deadly well, in that's, my groin. No, it's not the same as saying that because that's a lot same. worse. <laughs> that's a much worse line. I think it evokes the exact same imagery. Oh, yeah. All it needs to do is just be a different line and it would be, <laughs> yeah. Here's another one. Grabbing it quickly, I squirt toothpaste on it and brush my teeth in double quick time. I feel so naughty. It's such a thrill. You got to know that she said squirts toothpaste is like trying to be erotic, (laughs) right? (laughs) For sure. Squirt toothpaste. Double quick time? Double quick time. (laughs) Here's another one. Oh, the sweet agony. Sorry. sorry. Abby just got so aroused. (laughs) (laughs) I I just pulled in my underwear. Oh, the sweet agony. His hands clasp my hips. He sets a punishing rhythm in, out, and he reaches around and finds my clitoris, massaging me. Oh, geez. I can feel myself quicken. It's It's the quickening, McLeod. (laughs) She's getting fucked. I can feel it. (laughs) Can you feel it, McLeod? Can you feel it, McLeod? I only have sex if we can role play as. That's my kink. (laughs) It's the quickening, McLeod. I didn't remember that scene of Highlander, but it was pretty hot. Yeah, that raunchy sex scene. Desire puddles. Well, after Heather dies, he's got to get satisfaction somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Him and Ramirez. Squirting toothpaste. Double quick time. Double quick time. <laughs> In New York City. Oh, my I home. I can feel it. <laughs> I can uh, feel it. I am quickening. <laughs> um, that's just her, her, her choice of words. The way that she writes is bizarre apparently the first time she ever wrote a book ever was 50 shades of gray and it shows yeah yeah it shows that tracks yeah that totally tracks it's just remarkable that you can be incredibly average at something but just skyrocket to success overnight yeah i think the power of fan fiction i honestly think that's a lot of a lot of people i should have continued my fan fiction career because a lot of it, a lot of it is luck. I mean, hey, maybe you should have. Maybe I should have. Honestly, like sometimes, sometimes I read and I'm like, this is so good, and I'm not like, I should write a book. But then I think about people like that, and I'm like, I don't know, because you know, I don't have to be good yet. You know, I could just keep going. <laughs> maybe I can get good along the way. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the guy who wrote Aragon wrote it at like 18, which is crazy. To be fair, I feel like fan fiction is a great gateway into learning how to write in general. Like, I feel yeah. like I, it was really good for me to try and like. To, to write a lot of fan fiction in my teen years because it kept me feeling creative and testing out new methods of writing. It was really fun, but, you know, the, the, it's a gateway. That YA author, Cassandra Clare, like, she started from mm. fanfic. And, like, her early books, hey, if you're a fan of it, I'm so sorry. I think they're awful. Yeah. I really don't like them. The more recent stuff, it's not my kind of book, but it's she's improved. She's yeah. better, right? So, you know, you don't have to be somewhere. good yet. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just keep doing it anyway. Yeah. I, I, by the way, one other, there the were two more things. One was that there's the bit where they signing the contract where they're in like a red lit room yeah. and it definitely feels like it's the scene is pitched of like, isn't this fucking hot? Yeah. As they're going over the like legalese of the document. I'm like a scene in which they're signing a legal contract and she is saying, no, I'm not into that for like 10 times. Not hot. No. Couldn't, I, I puck it up. No puddles to be found. <laughs> my pool dried up. My, my desire yanked back. <laughs> <laughs> my pool was a mirage. It is in fact still desert down here. <laughs> I feel like apparently Dakota Johnson said that that scene was her favorite in the film. Really? Don't know why. I don't think it's a bad scene. I just don't think it's hot. No. Um, and, and then, I mean, like the last thing that I had in my notes is I noticed her dad. It's Leoben. I know. I know. From Battlestar. Yeah, yeah. But, but we saw he was in, like, the newspaper in Butterfly Effect 2. 
Yeah. That counts. Oh, my God. All-star. All-star. Leoben from Leoben. Battlestar. I do yeah. not remember the actor's name, but Leoben from Battlestar. That's, it's a weird name. It's like three, it's one of those three name names. That's so <laughs> fucked that's up. That's crazy. Three. Callum is in there somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. He doesn't look like a Callum, does he? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I don't think on Battlestar his character had a last name. I think it was just Leoben. Just Leoben. Maybe he did, though. Yeah. I know, and hard. he was totally not a Cylon. <laughs> hey, look, it's <laughs> good, good save, good dodge, <laughs> nice. <Thanks. laughs> you know, it's it's like within the first hour, so it's not yeah, so true. Bad. It's it's not really a reveal. the reveal that he is not a, a Cylon. Cylon. Oink. <laughs> I I have to say that something for me, like the cringiest scene of the entire thing for me was their first meeting, that first interview. I found it like insufferable to watch. Yeah. The way that she like falls into the office and she's like, oh my God, I, I like, I don't think I'd fit in. I mean, look at me. And he's like, I am. It's. I find flirtation really cringy. I've told you that, this. That's not flirting. That she is uncomfortable and he's being weird. That's not flirting. I don't know if she's uncomfortable. She's kind of eyeing him up and down as well. Like she thinks he's hot. Well, she's she's baffling because she is at once. I think she's meant to be like flustered because he's so handsome, yeah. as well as uncomfortable. Yeah. Or maybe that's just how Dakota Johnson's playing the character. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. She she reads to me as I I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here. I just I also hate the really soft voice she has to put on for it being like. Yeah. What do you think? Maybe you're softer than you like to let on. I don't I don't like the first scene, but the first scene feels like sometimes when you watch a movie, you can like see the short. Mm-hmm. Like in Whiplash, the scene, the am I am I are you rushing or dragging is like the main scene of the short and yeah. you can kind of tell because it feels like such a set piece. Yeah, yeah. You know, a film that was a spec short. Seeing this, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, that's yeah. the scene that E.L. James wrote and was like, fuck, I could make a book out of yeah, this. Yeah, you know? I think I might fucking beat one off tonight to this scene. <laughs> Thinking about them having sex later. I think I'm going to beat down. I think I'm going to crank one out, if you oh. don't mind. I think, I, I think I'm going to gonna have a good old good old trip to Pound Town. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ooh, uh, excuse me, ticket, ticket to Jerk Off City. <laughs> I'm going to be fingering the a- Orient Express. Decline. Absolutely not. <laughs> Get off of my train. Ah, oh, come on. Come on. This is a one death on the Nile. Oh, my God. I don't know why I got into this murder mystery. <laughs> death on the Nile not even on a train. No, I know. I, but it just. Where did that come from? You, I, I, I'm saying you could really say anything and it could sound sexy. I'm going to go print some sheets. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to go. Snorkel. I think I'm going to go squirt some toothpaste <laughs> if you catch my drift. I think I'm going to start quickening. I need a glass of water, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I have a lot of trivia. Oh, I'm so into it. So this is kind of nice. I feel like Sam Taylor Johnson was really about making sure that Jamie Dornan and... Is it Dornan or Doran? Dornan. Dornan. Sorry, I'm busy chuckling because I wish I added to the last batch of us saying sexual innuendo. I'm going to go shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, she really wanted to make the two lead actors really comfortable with each other. That's that good. was her priority, was making sure the intimacy was like forced, not forced and really comfortable. I mean, it feels like it should be a requirement, but yeah, it's yeah. Still, that's still neat. But I'm like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It seems like they were in safe hands, which is great. Apparently, remote-controlled cameras were utilized for a majority of the sex scenes, so the set could be more private for the actors. That's nice. Um, apparently, the stunt coordinator said that in some of the wilder scenes, and by the way, when they say wilder, I still feel like the kinky sex they have in this is so slow and subdued. Mm. I feel like he never loses control. He's just like, it, it, it's always boring, at least in my opinion. I do appreciate, though, that it never feels like I'm ogling them. Yeah. Which is the yeah. thing of like, you know, like the raunchy 80s sex comedy. Yeah. Whenever there's tits, it's like, whoa, look at the tits. Whereas yeah. in this, it's just like human bodies. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I appreciate that. Um, apparently, the stunt coordinator said that in some of the wilder scenes, the two lead actors had to spend hours naked in front of a full crew, which sounds terrifying, to yeah. be honest. Sounds difficult. Amelia Clark turned down the lead role because she oh. didn't want to be known for doing nude scenes after appearing naked in the first season of Game of she, Thrones. She has gotten so protective about doing nudity since then and i don't blame her yeah you know what this is a story claude told me so claude had a high school teacher um don't remember her name but they around the time i met him he like met up with her for a drink 
um, because he was thinking about going into teaching and he wanted to see, like he wanted some advice. Mm. And they met up for a drink and, and she said that she had a friend who was like one of the finalists for the role of Daenerys oh, in wow. Game of Thrones, like an actor, yeah. And the reason she didn't get the part, and they told her this, the reason she didn't get the part is that her tits weren't big enough. What so that's fuck? why they got Amelia Clark. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, so I'm not surprised Amelia Clark had a oh, shit experience on Game of Thrones. Oh. Seems like a lot of women had shit experiences on Game of Thrones. <laughs> so this is what we're talking about before. E.L. James wielded a large amount of creative control over everything from casting to the wardrobe to the final script. Unusual for any novelist, let alone one whose only published work was a single series of three books. Yeah. This led to no end of disputes between her and Sam Taylor Johnson. While Taylor Johnson wanted to make a more streamlined adaptation, James was very protective of her book and vetoed even the most minor deviations from it. And since James was the one with the final say on all creative decisions, Taylor Johnson often found herself forced to go along. Oh my God. That sounds horrible. Why? Like, I don't understand why. I guess, I guess the studio thought is someone is going to do an adaptation of this we've got yeah we've got to get the rights that's more important i guess yeah i think she was able to wield a huge amount of control over her contract in the first place because they were just so desperate to get to adapt it first yeah because at first i was like there's no way it's not like some other authors where it's like they actually do have the weight to be able to do it yeah i realize it only makes sense if it's like they're all rushing to get the rights and that's the way they could beat the other studios to it Here's an example of something that got vetoed. Sam Taylor Johnson wanted the film to end with Anna stopping Christian from following her into the elevator by just saying their safe word, red, which I think is a really good oh, idea. That actually would have been great. E.L. James, James vetoed this because it wasn't the line in the book. But that, but that's it's, be, but it's, be- it's better. It is better. It's, it's almost as if Sam Taylor Johnson is a far more talented and creative person than E.L. James yeah. and probably had some really good insight into how to make it a successful film. Well, she's a storyteller. Yes. Instead of a, just a smut writer. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy smut writer. Filthy smut writer. Screenwriter Kelly Marcel revealed that she wasn't able to watch the film because it reminded her of how her original screenplay was eventually changed by the novel's author, E.L. James, <sighs> and that the final script felt too much of a compromise for the screenwriter. She said the difference between what she imagined and what eventually ended up being on screen was too big of a mountain for her to overcome. When she delivered her draft, James told her that she liked it, but the fans wouldn't because they wanted a faithful adaptation. (sighs) For days, Marcel and James worked on it together until the novelist was happy with the result, which Marcel caused 50% hers and 50% James. That's like 50%, like James did 50% of the script. That's insane. She didn't, she wasn't the screenwriter. I feel like you can feel it mostly in, as I said, like Anastasia sometimes has that pushback that really feels good. And then other times she's just so different. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. I think that, when I went through the plot again of this film and then I compared it to the plot of the book, it's it's pretty bang on. Yeah. Which means that it's not following the structure of a traditional film. It's stru- following the structure of a bad book. Which is probably which is why, why it, it feels like it just meanders it and me- nothing really happens. They're always two, two and a half hours long and nothing happens they except sort of intermittent montage sequences of them on a yacht and them on a plane. Yeah. I liked this. Well, I didn't like this, but I, I thought it was funny. <laughs> Before Christian's speech at Anastasia's university, they show some photos of Christian Grey with various personalities. In the first of these, he is shown with Elon Musk. Ah, yeah, which yeah. I fucking love that in this weird alternate timeline, he would he would be the kind of guy that would be buddies with Elon Musk. A hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. And they'd be absolutely. the fucking worst. Absolutely. There's several comments he makes that make you realize like, yes, he is a bad billionaire. Yeah. Like all of them. In the Fifty Shades trilogy books, the phrase my inner goddess is mentioned 115 times by Anastasia's inner monologue. What? This is how she often refers to herself. Example, my inner goddess is jumping up and down, clapping her hands like a five-year-old. The movie does not mention or utilize Anastasia's inner goddess at all. So I went through and I grabbed some excerpts um, of her talking about her inner goddess. Here's a couple for you. I flush. My inner goddess is down on bended knee with her hands clasped in supplication, begging me. My inner goddess is beside herself, hopping from foot to foot. My inner goddess fist pumps the air above her chaise lounge. My inner goddess stirs from her five-day sulk. My inner goddess is doing the merengue. Merengue. 
Meringue? 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 What's meringue? Meringue. The, like, whipped no. egg whites? What is it? How's it spelled? M-E-R-E-N-G-U-E. Meringue. Uh, what is that? I guess it's a dance. Where's the word? My inner goddess is doing the merengue with some salsa moves. Yeah, how to dance mer- merengue. Okay, it's a dance. My inner goddess is doing the merengue with some salsa moves. My inner goddess is doing a triple axle dismount off the uneven bars and abruptly my mouth is dry. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to be sold some essential oils. Like <laughs> my inner god- I cannot believe that's something she did in the books. My inner goddess... My inner goddess. My inner goddess. You sound deranged. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like you're from the uh, northern New South Wales and <laughs> you're from Byron. I'm <laughs> about to be radicalized into uh, anti-vax stuff. And you have some glamping tents for me to rent out. Also, director Sam Taylor Johnson omitted the scene from the novel where Christian removes Anna's tampon so they could have sex. What? The scene wasn't even discussed when the script was being written. Here's the excerpt from the book, sorry. He reaches between my legs and pulls on the blue string. What? And gently pulls my tampon out and tosses it into the nearby toilet. Holy fuck. Sweet mother of all. Jeez. Okay, wait, hang on. <laughs> so, so obviously it's, it's not erotic. Like, obviously. However, I also want to pivot to you should not throw tampons in the toilet. You're going to fuck up the water system. Yeah. You should not throw your... T- yeah. Hey, hey, everyone everyone listening why? who has periods, don't throw your tampons why in the fucking she, toilet. Why did she write it in? Like, it's so unnecessary. It's so weird. It's so weird. And they didn't even discuss it. Everyone was just like, we're not doing that. Does, is she into that? Because it feels like no one else is. <laughs> Apparently even she didn't bring it up. So... <laughs> maybe maybe she's like, all right, it's probably, was a, a, it's I was probably a, a bit I much. was in a weird... Please. <laughs> you know, I didn't have an editor at that point. I just... <laughs> um, and lastly, this film was number one on the list 15 garbage movies with a ton of skin, published by website The Clever. I looked at that list just to see other films on this strange Ooh, list. Weird list. 15 garbage movies with a ton of skin. I guess they're just saying like 15 erotic, terrible erotic fi- but that, films. But that's such a, why, why both at once? It's a hat on a hat. It's like 15 <laughs> movies that are erotic and bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I actually, like reading the list was really fun because they are just saying like, they're like, hey, we're not against like intimacy and sex in films. We're against men exploiting women in particular okay. in lots of films. Okay. And going through the list, a lot of these are terrible, but there's also a lot of films from the, bottom 250 on this list wow. unsurprisingly wow. like oh my God. something coming up soon zombie strippers came 13 piranha 3dd is 12 we watched well we were gonna watch piranha but we didn't did we yeah we didn't we didn't in the end striptease came 11th oh oh i yeah actually you know that film cashback i've heard of it it's that british one with like the guy that played um oliver oh, i forgot his name the, the the Quidditch player from Harry Potter. Oh, right, right. Yeah, 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 he plays like a guy in a supermarket. And it is a weird film because mm. he like fantasizes about stopping time and then just ogling women, like taking their shot- tops yeah, off. And it's right. like, this is a weird insight. Yeah. This is weird. Also on the list, Basic Instinct 2 came at number eight. <laughs> Basic Instinct 2, man. Oh, fuck. When you were that talking about time. the idea of ogling bodies... Um, number six was a film called What, which seems to be exactly what that is. It's a oh, Roman wow. Polanski film <laughs> um, that seems to really just be made to show off one particular woman's body. Oh, um, come on. I know. Come on. Uh, number can't... four was Caligula with Helen Mirren, oh, which was yeah. fucking crazy. It's fa- famous. And yeah, number one on the list, the Fifty Shades franchise. There we go. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You know what? They were right. Those are some bad movies that with a show lot of skin. skin. <laughs> I've got two goofs for you as well. Ooh. I thought these guys, these two were fairly funny. The other ones were like, meh, probably right. When Anna first arrives at Gray's building for the interview, she walks around the front of the car, stops and looks up at the building, then continues towards the entrance. In doing so, she completely ignores the parking meter near the rear end of the car. As this is during working hours, surely she should have put some money in the meter. You, you got him. <laughs> you got him. I also loved this because this is genuinely strange that the film did this. 
When Kate looks on the web for pictures of Christian Grey, you can see two of him that are taken from scenes that happen further on in the film. <laughs> Christian in the coffee shop and him in Clayton's hardware store. <laughs> Who the fuck? It's <laughs> really funny. It's just lazy. <laughs> I gotta say about the parking meter one, like obviously that is also like intentional if like that's not an interesting piece of drama. As an editor, there's a lot of those like little things. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've cut people having to pour drinks and you cut out the number of times the drink is actually poured because you're just trying to like get to the more dramatically interesting and that mm. you as a as an audience don't notice. Yeah, care. 100%. There was one goof here actually that I took out but I wish I left in where they were like, the pencil that Christian gives Anna in the interview scene varies in sharpness from shot to shot. <laughs> How? Who no, cares? No, there's no way you can accurately tell the sharpness of the pencil. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you want to hear some reviews? I, I'd love to. Reviews! You're not going to believe this, but Fifty Shades of Grey received generally negative reviews yeah. with criticism of its acting, screenplay, and pacing. However, some critics noted it as an improvement over the book. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Piece of shit. Absolutely hated it. Better than the book. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes reported a 25% approval rating, which is higher than I expected. Claudia Puige? Pooch. Sorry. <laughs> Claudia Pooch. Puig. The way that you've said it is funnier than anything possible about the pronunciation. Is it Puig? Puig. <laughs> I think it's Puig. But okay, let me spell it out. It's P U I G. Puig. Puig. But then, then we get, maybe it's Irish and it's actually Puig. Pog. Pog. <laughs> Of USA Today wrote that the dialogue is laughable, the pacing is sluggish, and the performances are one note. Moira McDonald of the Seattle Times wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie, for the record, is not quite as bad as Fifty Shades of Grey, the book. But that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> it's still funny. We got this covered critic, Isaac Feldberg, gave the film one and a half stars out of five and wrote that it feels like two distinct films grappling for dominance over the screen. One, a sensual and stylish romance, and the other, a numbingly explicit Harlequin bodice ripper brought to life. <laughs> Regrettably, the, la- the latter and lesser of the two ends up on top. And Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian gave the film one star out of five, calling it the most purely tasteful and softcore depiction of sado- sado masochism in cinema history with strictly daytime soap performances yeah here's a 10 out of 10 review left by daniela maria in 2015 and all the 10 out of 10 reviews everyone just everyone was very happy it stuck very true to the books like (sighs) she was right in that respect and that the fans loved it for that reason this is why i can never trust people who go like it should have been made by the fans or whatever because it's that's not good i know it's silly 3.6, is that even possible? So it's gone up in reviews. The movie was really good. Not great, but really good. It really exceeded my expectations. Of course that some parts of the movie should appear on the screen, but that was the choice of the director. And I agree with what has been done. When I arrived to the cinema, my mind was boiling and my heart was pounding really fast. Maybe some people will consider it ridiculous. But when it starts was a really joy to see it... Also, the actors made a really good job, especially Jamie and Dakota. The others basically didn't have much to say. Just, yeah. <laughs> However, I don't know how I will wait two more years for the next movie, since I read all the three books just a couple months ago. This time, my expectations will be even more high, because we will see a different side of Christian. More tender, romantic, and generous man. Ten out of ten. <laughs> generous man. Did, did this person say that their heart was boiling? My heart was boiling that's... My mind was boiling and my heart was pounding. Mind was boiling is actually even weirder. <laughs> That's not a phrase. My mind was boiling. It was crazy. Loved the book. Loved the film. It was great. This is a 10 out of 10 review left by M. Vigo. I loved this film as I loved the book. The film is just like the book. The actors are perfect. They play the fictional characters perfectly. It's corny, but so is the book. Is that not why we read books? <laughs> no. <laughs> don't watch the film if you're expecting something other than the book the sex scenes were great and i love the storyline it tame bondage and a love story basically (laughs) christian gray is pretty hot and i like the actor he did a good job as did anastasia's actor some people's reviews are just trying to ruin the film i went to see it with my husband 
We loved it, wink. My what? sister and her husband loved it, and so did my friends. We age range 20s to 40s. I am going again in the week. 10 stars. Bring on the next. What executive wrote this to justify <laughs> <laughs> including the demographic? I'm aged 18 to 45. <laughs> it's corny. Why else would you read a book? Why else? And this one is another 10 out of 10 review left by STCA Mazzola um, called Great Film. Might not be for everyone. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> this was a fantastic movie. Never read the book. But my heart was pounding the entire movie. How often do you see something truly unique hit the big screen anymore? I went with my wife and we loved it. All you can think the entire movie is, could you imagine? Oh, holy, what the fuck? Totally mental, yet completely awesome. What? 10 out of 10. <laughs> what parts were they going, oh, oh, mental, holy shit. Totally mental, yet completely awesome. <laughs> that fucked me up. It's that, I want to make that my new bio. Totally mental, yet, yet completely, completely awesome. awesome. 10 out of 10. Is that how I would describe mild bondage? <laughs> well, how would you describe mild bondage, Michelle? It's not even bondage. If you're going to give it a rating. Does she really 10. get tied up in this one? I don't no, I can't I remember. She really does. She gets lightly whipped yeah, and then aggressively spanked. hit. I don't know what I meant to feel in that last bit, by the way. Yeah. When she is demanding that he hit her harder than she wants to. I, I don't, yeah. I don't like it. I, yeah. I don't like it. Anyway, yeah. not to get back into it. I, I don't know. My review, look, it's not great, but <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it really isn't good as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to be upfront, you know, but I can tell it's made by like someone who knows how to tell a story, and there is fifty percent of like a, a better version of this. It is really funny still for everything to be like ah, it's rubbish. It's better than the book. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny, but like it isn't good. It's not a story. Nothing happens. That's that they make a lot of hay out of. Sex that has been very normalized. Yes. It's it's really not a lot. And I I said this on both of the other ones. I don't like the way that he describes himself as a dominant in the same way that you would say I'm trans or I'm a lesbian. Mm. I, I just I just don't It's like a preference in the bedroom, but it's not an identity. Like I feel like he would say like he he would want to go to Pride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm included. No. Yeah, it's the way that most people think that like kinks are part of the LGBT community, and it's like it's not. But there's overlap. But there's at least a historical like tie, right? With those things, there's there's like been a lot of kink in the queer community, and that's why like kink should be at Pride. There's a lot of tying of those things together. But so kink isn't inherently he be queer. At Pride? No, because it isn't inherently queer. But there yeah. is a tie between those things. It's not not a part of queer, but it isn't inherently queer. I don't know. You know I just mean? find it a strange addition to the community. I feel like it's like it does definitely an overlap. Nothing wrong with it at all. But I feel like it's I don't know. It doesn't. It shouldn't come into identity in that respect. But Again, it's, it's more like, like a thing that you enjoy. History of the queer community, as well as like things about sexual oppression and stuff. But like being a billionaire, being a dominant is not sexual oppression. Mm. <laughs> you know, no one is oppressing Christian Grey. Um, I don't, I like this movie. I don't know. 3.9 I, I was gonna say four but i feel really weird having that high 3.9 just because i think i gave 50 shades darker or freed something close to that i feel like again in the interest of trying to pull down our average scores that we are dishing out right now i'm gonna give it a three you're course correcting so I hard am, i am <laughs> i'm gonna give it a three look the actual like validity of these scores and these ratings went out the window a long time ago no the scores, because we've said before, we don't necessarily believe in the let's reduce art into a score system. Us giving a score is both playing into the fact that we're here because of the system, as well as it is a macro study of what happens to two people's brains when you subject <laughs> them to these this many of these movies. And we've had the results, and I would like to counter those results and go in the other direction now. You're throwing off the data. Ah, I have to. <laughs> it, instead, you clearly see our minds like statistically turn to mush. They, yes, absolutely. <laughs> How are our scores getting higher while the films are getting lower? It makes no sense. I think it's because they're going from like, mediocre movies that are nothing like fucking chipwrecked too hard swing and a miss <laughs> yeah yeah well <laughs> was it worth it 
<laughs> was it worth it? Barely came out. It sounded like you were going to fully throw up. <laughs> you come felt, here. It felt that way. <laughs> you come onto my podcast, not ours, mine, and you you almost yeah. throw up. <laughs> well, Michelle, remember when I vomited in my mouth a little bit a couple of weeks ago? I do remember that. Or a while ago. I wish I didn't, but I do yeah, remember that. It was, it was a highlight for, for me and for you and listeners, my mom and my dad. Um, well, Michelle, that was our reviews. Guys, <laughs> I, I can't believe we're like 120 deep or something. And you Guys? still cannot pivot for the life of us. All right. Well, that was the reviews. You guys, you should follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Rate Descend Pod. We're on TikTok at Rating Descending. Or you can email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. Or if you listened and you were like, I think, I think I'd prefer to see just those women. I don't want to encourage this behavior, but I think they're neat. Then you can find at least me on Twitter and Instagram at michelle.stclair. And I'm on Instagram under Abigail J. Ward. And then, but if, conversely, you did go, um, you know what? I think that was pretty fair. I think that was a good effort for a podcast. A for effort at the very least. Then please leave us a review. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Please. <laughs> please. Please, God. Oh, my God. Well, I need it. Michelle, that was Fifty Shades of Grey. What are we watching next week? Uh, well, next week, um, I'm so sorry to say, we're watching The Apparition. <sighs> Is it the dreaded found footage? Let me double check in oh, this God. moment. I haven't watched it yet. This doesn't say found footage it is a supernatural horror movie where the poster has someone yet trying to yell with a lot of hands on them which we've seen like five of those yeah but it doesn't seem like it's found footage that's cool (laughs) i don't promise no i don't promise that i don't promise that at all i (laughs) don't know look it up on wikipedia oh no no no. the opening of it is is found footage and then it's more conventional movie (laughs) so it's both it's both Okay, well, I guess we'll see you guys there. For a New Year's spooky. Oh, this is Christmas. (laughs) 